This is Coach Kurt Signetti from JMU, and you are listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Welcome back to the Fun Belt Podcast. My name is Jeremy Harper. I'm with HalRazor.com. With me tonight, Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report, everything ULM Warhawks. Also with me, Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Tonight, we're going to break down some Sunbelt. We're going to break down some AP. We might, I don't know, we might talk about some volleyball. We might talk about soccer. You know, in pre-production, it was like whatever we want to talk about, we're going to talk about. But I'm going to ask you this first. I'm going to throw in a, a, a curveball, something that we even discuss. If you had one opportunity to pick one Pac-4 team to join the Sun Belt, who would it be? Maybe Stanford, just for the tree. I love the tree. But no other reason. I would have to say Washington State, because if you Ooh. guys, this predates my time covering the Sun Belt, but if you guys did Idaho, you can do Washington State. It's the same place. <laughs> They're eight miles apart. Two, one, ah. two for one. Two for one. Yeah. We add two teams to the West. There it is. So from what I understand, it's it's a, it's I don't know if it's I wouldn't say it's a done deal, but it seems it seems like it's really hot that elements of the of the American are thinking about bringing in the Pac Four in and building a new conference. Have you guys heard of this? Is this just some speculation? Okay, to me, that would just create like it's almost like Krypton exploding. It's the true Conference USA, where it spans coast to coast, <laughs> ah. border to border. We we should get. Carl Benson on here again sometime to talk about the idea of a coast to coast conference and see, uh, let, let him explain why this doesn't work. Uh, but that, that's yeah. another episode. Tim, but here's the deal for football. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. That's that'll work because that's the revenue generator. That's what everyone wants to see. That's what everyone's going to pay the sponsorship for where it doesn't make sense is when your women's tennis team has to travel from, uh, East Carolina to Stanford for a weekend trip, as opposed to just making that short little drive to maybe Atlanta to play Georgia state. Yeah. And you're talking about all sports and you know, we've talked about this a little bit before there was a possibility that the Sun Belt was going to add field hockey <laughs> and it was going to be the three teams that are in the Sun Belt: JMU, yeah. ODU, App State, and then they were going to go to the West Coast and get Cal, Stanford, Whoa. and uh, UC Davis, all those Northern California teams. That was wow. what the field hockey league was potentially going to be. And that would be one thing when you're talking about six teams in one sport, JMU could go play three conference games in a week or a week and a half in California, do it that way. That's one. Yeah, it was like a round robin tournament. Yeah, that they were that's maybe doable. Yeah. Like when you're talking about like one sport, like, like, you know, like Dusty mentioned football, when you're talking once a week, almost always on Saturday. Yeah. Who cares if your conference is like nationwide, but all this other stuff is not going to work. Well, you know, somebody mentioned women's tennis. I think it was you, Shane. I just want to let everybody know, all of our listeners know the crisis is over. 
probably my application was seriously considered. But I'm going to step aside for this guy. Arkansas State has a new head women's tennis coach. His name is Sujay Lama. I'm very happy to have him on board. I know nothing about him. As far as I know, he knows nothing about tennis. But I'm glad that someone has taken the reins of the A-State women's tennis program. You know what hurt you was your interview, your your internet, your AOL internet probably hurt you. That you probably were trying to outline this great elaborate plan, but all they heard was, Are you saying my internet right now is not doing well? It gives you trouble from time to time. This connection sponsored by AOL. <laughs> You've got mail. Uh, Any freezes. Hey, that God. is the perfect, perfect example. Guys, have you noticed that it did you guys notice it was it was scrimmage time last this weekend? Did you guys notice that? You yes. did. Did you did you get any big news from camps? Find out anything about the teams you follow? Not a ton. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Did I think probably did Signetti even allow press? Or does Signetti just pretty much go, you know, F you guys? You you get we nothing. Get to see some things, but nothing too uh nothing too interesting. He he we blocks the latter part of practice with his hat. <laughs> Tibbs, any word on ULM? How are they looking? The ones look good, and then there's a, a drop off when you get to the twos, and and so it it's it's going to be how healthy can you be? I immediately jump to week three when they play Texas A and M, and and it's less about you always talk about the FCS mentality of of moral no. victories, but no, I don't you know, like. That. I, I just want to go there, get the big check signed in glitter, as he said in semi pro, and and make sure it it cashes at the the bank with the big check department. Shane, what do you think of weight? I have more of it than I probably should at this point in my life. What do you think of weight when it's applied to I don't know, say your defensive line unit? Ah, uh, I think it can go either way. Okay, there have been absolutely gigantic men who mm-hmm. can really plug up holes just by being gigantic men. And, um, you know, the other teams where, you know, you look at JMU's defensive line the last couple of years, they were small, but extremely fast and pretty effective that way. So um, I know where you're going with this and, you know, I think it can go either way. Like, you know, um, each coach has their own strategy and they know what they're able to recruit and, uh, you know, we, we've seen it in this conference. Yeah, yeah. There is a a Sunbelt centric social media group called Sunbelt Sports, Sunbelt underscore Sports. If you want to check it out, and they they've been making these little graphics. It's interesting. You know, you, you find this kind of content, and you put it together, and you you make it look pretty, and you get a graphic. And and what they have, well, I'm looking at now. This is according to the team website, average DL weight. So that's everyone from the freshmen coming in to the seniors that have been there for four years have gone through the, the training regimen. Who would you think is the heaviest team? I'm, I saw this. Now I'm trying to remember who it was. Yeah, you should probably just tell us. It's Southern Miss. They're the heaviest at 283.2 pounds, right behind them, Troy, at 283.1 pounds. Something about working out in the fields. Yeah. Now, ULM had a pretty good defensive line, if I recall. Didn't they have a pretty good defensive line last year? Yeah, they, they had a good defensive line. Not very fast, 
yeah. off the edge, but up the middle, they were they were pretty stout. This year, projected at 264.7 pounds. That's like, I don't know, I'm looking at the math, about 20 pounds lighter than Southern Miss on average. And then the Bobcats are the lightest at 259 pounds, which surprised me a little bit. But you know what? FCS kids. (laughs) That's right. But you know what? That's the thing with defensive line. Like, like Arkansas State, for instance, had a string of really good defensive ends that won like defensive player of the year running Bingham and a couple other guys. And uh, they were kind of undersized. They weren't really big guys. I, I think that the defensive line doesn't have to be big heavies, but the offensive line does. Who do you think has the heaviest offensive line not the starting five but just in total who do you think is both who, who do you what program has the heaviest offensive line based on media day i would have <laughs> said georgia state because ah. i forget the kid's name that was there but geez he was huge let me tell you something about georgia state's average offensive line next to last in terms of weight but you'll never guess who the lightest offensive line is in the I can't remember. I can't remember who the smallest was. You can't even hazard a guess. You got this. Come on. Uh, it's not who you'd think. Southern Miss. No. No. Southern Miss has a pretty hefty offensive line at 309 pounds. They are the fourth heaviest. It is Appalachian State, fellas. Appalachian State, whom I always kind of attributed great big offensive lines coming out of Appalachian State. Now, they had some trouble last season. You know, Bryce was running all over the place, and maybe that's part of it. But at 291, sub 300, that's where Appalachian State is. JMU, well north of 300 pounds, 307 pounds, the fifth heaviest of all offensive line. Now, that's just total. That's from the freshman to the seniors. I don't know what the starting five is. That was one criticism I saw. Of, yeah. on Twitter of these things was that yeah you're taking the whole roster yeah. the two deep might give you a better indication of like how big they're actually going to be on the field because you know maybe somebody recruited a bunch of 250 pound freshmen that they're oh, absolutely planning, planning on beefing up and that's what you know maybe they've got 10 of those guys on the roster right now but they're not going to yeah. play like uh, I'll, give so- you idea. I'll give you an idea how that worked Jane for instance Red Wolves come in at 306.6 pounds right beneath Jane but the starting five, if you average them out, is is 322 pounds. So that is like a you know, like a 15, 16 pound difference right there. So yeah. So I don't I don't know what you get out of this except nothing, except it's like two weeks before football starts. And damn it, we just need something to talk about, fellas. And it might as well be the average weight boasted by offensive line units from the Sun Belt. <laughs> I think the other thing uh, going on since we're we're wrapping up our summer coverage and getting ready for football, we have football, women's soccer, where no surprise, the top two teams, James Madison and South Alabama, they were tied in the preseason poll, but James Madison with five first place votes. I think they're the team to beat once again, and and that's without even really being able to look up and down the roster for them. Those are the two premier teams in the Sun Belt, and I think that both of them give the league a good chance to make it to the NCAA regionals. Maybe we get another at large. That would be nice. Maybe not, but more importantly, we need to get a NCAA win. And both those teams give us the best chance of that. If you do, you guys, I, I think Shane, you go out there and you watch, you watch the ladies play, right? 
Yeah, I'm going to go tomorrow. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think Jimmy's playing, I want to say Charlotte. <laughs> How much I'm paying attention to their opponents early in the season. Well, yes, better, it's not yeah. quite the swing of the season, right? But it's, the, you that. know, it's it's the first athletic event oh. of the school year. So I'm going to go out there and check it out. And like like Dusty said, they're going to be a pretty good team, the JMU women. So I'm going to go uh, go see what they're all about here to start, start the season. Have you ever checked out the uh, just live? Have you ever gone and watched uh, like the Warhawks or somebody around the Houston area for for soccer action? Been to several Warhawks soccer games. Um, I have not been to any soccer since I've been in the H Town area, but I've been to volleyball. Well, yeah, with what? checked out volleyball. I went to a UH. Been to yeah, Houston okay. Christian. And speaking of which, to no one's surprise, for volleyball women's JMU South Alabama once again leading the pack. Wow, JMU with thirteen first place votes, South Alabama with ten. I, I said it off the air before we started. ULM with just 16 points in the preseason poll, picked seventh in the West. They may not win it all, but mm. Jeremy, damn it, they're going to win a Sunbelt match yeah, this yeah, year. Let me get this straight. Now, they ULM, the Warhawks, have never defeated Arkansas State at volleyball. Is that correct? Never. They haven't won a Sunbelt match in at least three years. Oh, God. <laughs> well... Then I, I, you know, in a way, I, I'm going to start pulling for the War Warhawks to win. But you know, here's something that's 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 a, to my shame is I have never gone and watched college volleyball, any college volleyball, whether it's UA Little Rock here in you know my my neck of the woods. Never as a college student went down to the Convocation Center to check out the Red Wolves play volleyball. I am embarrassed to say it. I have not seen college volleyball played. Guys, am, am I the only one? Have you guys watched a lot of volleyball in your time? Shane, now we know why the, the Red Wolves had one first place vote. We know who that voter was. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> you're you're missing out. It's it's a good I know. sport. Go watch. I mean, especially I see it on TV. I watch it on the TV. Especially the ones that play in their own volleyball gym facility. Instead of being in a gigantic basketball arena. I mean, in the Big Ten, they fill the gigantic basketball arena. But in the Sun Belt, like the ones that have, you know, a thousand, two thousand seat volleyball arena to themselves, like the atmosphere is really good. The pace of the game is fun. Um, You know, sometimes you get in and out of there in an hour, depending on how it goes. Like the girls are athletic, you know, playing above the net. Like both volleyball and softball, I think are so entertaining at the college level Absolutely. because of the dimensions. They have the dimensions of the court and the field, the pace of the game, all that stuff is just right in women in a lot of women's sports. And like they're really entertaining at the college level. Volleyball, maybe as much as any of them. Yeah, I know we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna have a we're, we have this great interview coming up. But I'm really pissed, guys. I, I'm not I'm not in a good mood. Shocker. Yeah. But I'm usually in a good mood. I got the good things going on in my life. I, I kicked COVID's ass. You know, I had the COVID for about four days. And then I just said, out. I'm done with it. I got a great family. They're all going back to school. That's great. But you know, what? what's not great is the AP poll came out. And I hate preseason AP polls. I hate them. I don't know why they exist, except for to get me mad. 
to get me upset. And it's the same old crap every year, guys. The same shit teams. They get in without any real examination of what they are. Oklahoma. Let's just look at Oklahoma, for instance. Number 20. They just come in at number 20. For no reason other than that they're the Sooners. Came 6-6 six and six last year. Lost their bowl game. Actually finished 6-7. and seven. What did the Sooners do in the offseason that suddenly makes them one of the top 20 teams in the nation after going six and six? I mean, other than getting picked up by the SEC. There's no reason for the Sooners to be rewarded for this spot. And then you get this same fucking energy that you get every year for the group of five. Oh, we got to get a group of five in there. Who was the best group of five last year? Was it Tulane? Oh, where should we put them? Well, let's just stick them at 24 or 23 or wherever we put them. What are we even doing? We've got two great Sunbelt teams that were basically unchanged from last year. Pretty much the same personnel. Two teams that dominated. Nothing for them. But, oh, my God, let's sneak in Tulane, lazily put him in at 23, and we're done with it. But, my God, let's make sure Texas is back. Let's make sure Iowa's in there. Oh, let's throw Michigan. we got to have Michigan. Why do we have to have these same crap-ass teams? You pretty much summed it up there. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how anybody, if they're looking at it closely, cannot think that at least two to three, maybe all four of Tulane, UTSA, Troy, South Alabama are not top 30-ish teams. Yeah. I'm not saying they all should be ranked, but you would think they'd all be getting a lot of votes. <laughs> And, and they're not. And, I mean, anybody who doesn't think Oklahoma can be bad two years in a row doesn't remember the 90s, I guess. Like, <laughs> you know, it's possible. Someone pointed uh, out that Texas has, in the last, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, have been put in something like 10 times in the preseason and finished out of the poll <laughs> like every year but four times. I mean, it's just like they, it's like we just have to have Texas. Every year, Texas has to get in there. I don't get it. I know they've got the new coach, Sarkeesian, whatever it is. Everybody loves them. They've had new coaches before. Let me tell you something. Texas is a poisoned program. They are soft. They are weak. They are pretty boys. They do not ever belong with the elite of college football. And I will stand by that assessment all year long. Well, Jeremy, since you know so much more, Oh shit! And 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 you could probably run an athletic program. We're going to put you to the test with our next yes. guest, Matt Brown, with Extra Point joins us to talk about the AD Simulator, where you can take over a program and run it into the ground or into the glory of a P five conference. Being athletic director, it's great that you can run the entire athletic department from the stands, from your couch, your recliner. And you know better than everything that's going on in the athletic programs of your favorite school. But a guy that has really put that challenge out there in game format, Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Point Newsletter, and he made the AD Simulator 3000. He joins us on Funbelt Podcast. Welcome in there, Matt. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Dusty. It's a pleasure to be here. 
So Extra Point really focuses on kind of that off the field sports story and really in particular the G5 FCS type of environment. So right up our alley. But you went a step further and, and really put the money where the mouth is, so to say, and said, oh, you want to be athletic director? You can uh, you can be an athletic director. That, 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 that was the hope. And, you know, I'm not a software developer by trade. You know, I have a political science degree. I've been a reporter for a long time. And so I've kind of had to, to teach myself how to do this. But our publication is, is unique in that we have really three different groups that read extra points and read our parent publications on a, on a daily basis. We have a large group of people that are what we call like industry practitioners. And that might mean athletic directors or associate ADs or, or junior level staff. It might mean conference commissioners people that work in conference offices or reporters or people that work at like Under Armour or work at uh, Influencer, Open Doors, like this whole kind of industry that we have. We have another group of people, God bless them. They're, we, I, we, we like to affectionately call them giant nerds. And those are just regular fans, but they're the kind of fans that think I could do a better job selling multimedia rights for Marshall than whatever Marshall's doing, or they're going to read those kind of stories. And then we have thousands of students People that are undergraduate or graduate students that are studying sports business or studying sports management, and they might be talking about some of these principles in class, or they're trying to learn what they need to know about college sports to potentially work in that world. So we're always trying to figure out how can we write or create things that are informative for our industry people, but are translated in the language that other people can understand. Uh, and a game is a, is a good way to do that. And so we tried to, you know, to use our connections you know, we, we ran a lot of these questions and scenarios by actual ADs to make sure that they're realistic and that the probabilities are realistic, but give everybody else a chance to see how complicated that job really is. Uh, and we've, you know, it's been out for a couple of weeks. I mean, we, we've been really excited by the initial response from both industry and non-industry. Do you, so you have a bunch of questions where you're, you're asking things. Obviously, I guess you could kind of rabbit hole it and go a little shady that you could be maybe that perceived uh, South Florida school from the eighties where they were just slinging money left and right and, and, and doing things on the, on the dirty. But uh, does the game really kind of take into effect where there is no right answer, no matter what you do, your university's kind of screwed. That, that's, that's exactly it. So the way that the gameplay loop is set up is that there's a, there's a variety of different kinds of questions. And, and some of them are about recruiting. Some of them are about facilities. They might be dealing with, governors or donors or politicians or managing your own staff, a slew of different things. So many of which aren't directly related to results on the field. And the game, the player is asked to manage three different variables. You have your budget, um, you have your director's cup ranking, you know, a, a loose way of quantifying how well you're doing on the field. And you have something called support, which right now includes not just fan support, but donor support and also faculty, your president, you know, everybody buying into what you're doing. And every decision will impact one of those three variables. And there is no answer. There's no question anywhere in the game where anything is 100% successful or 100% failure. Because in real life, you can have a good process and have bad things still happen. You can get unlucky. You know, teams can still lose. You can make the right coaching hire and things not work out or the right pricing, ticket pricing decision and things not work out. COVID could happen, right? And you can make bad decisions or have a bad policy and be bailed out. Right. Like the, the the joke that, you know, we've kind of used internally. This isn't in the game, but like, you know what you're getting into if you hire Houston Nutt or Hugh Freeze uh, or Bobby Petrino. That might work out for a couple of years and you might get another job. 
um, or it may you know, end, end like those kind of situations typically do. And, and that's what we want to, to simulate. So that means that when you play the game, no playthrough is ever going to be exactly the same, but you also can't guarantee that you're ever going to win because that's not how this business and that's not how real life works. What was the biggest influencer that you had of this or, or, or where did you kind of dream up this concept that, that you could do it? Was it because you wanted to be an athletic director and, and you wanted to kind of showcase what you could do? You know, it, it, it isn't that. And if anything, my job, I think, has made it very clear to me that I don't think I'd be very good at that job, nor do I nor do I want it, because it's it's a very high pressure gig, even if you're at McNeese or, or uh, you know, Northwestern State or something where the fan uh, and media attention isn't as high, but then you have other very difficult, significant challenges. Um, we, we did this be, in part because our job, you know, I talk to ADs every day and I, I write in part for that audience. So we know, we have a better idea than maybe some other reporters or some other fans about what that gig actually is. We wanted to, we wanted to articulate that to fans who might not really understand what those guys do or those women do besides just hire coaches. And, you know, candidly, like I'm, I'm a I'm a, a fan of computer games. I've written a ton about the development of EA Sports College Football. I've written a lot about the intersection of computer and video games and uh, licensing and athletic department marketing. I'm 36, so like my first computer games that I ever played were these Apple IIe educational computer programs. Like when, when I was in, uh, in second, third grade, we played the Oregon Trail, right? On the big five and a half inch Great copy. game. Great game, right? And it's black and green graphics most of the time. And it's, 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 it's the sound sounds like it's coming from a Game Boy. And I, I grew up in an educator family and we had a lot of those games. And I think that was a, a, a big influence on what we were trying to build, recognizing, okay, I have limited art and programming skills and resources. I have this proprietary knowledge. I like telling jokes. I, I, I know how to do the writing. How can I frame, build all of this in a system that I know how to do that's going to be accessible to my audience. And I know like you and I, we, we know that game. We grew up playing it. So are a lot of professors. And so are a lot of people are that are our readers and are working in athletic departments. And they look at that and they're like, they had that nostalgia reaction. So as our resources and our programming skills and as audience engagement goes up, can we, we joke that we've made the best game of 1983. Can we make this into a game from 1993? Like, yeah, I, I, I think that's possible. We're not at the point where we're making football manager. Because that's a you know that's a that's a game made by a fourteen person company and they've been doing this for for thirty years. We're kind of working towards that direction. What would you say is is the the biggest challenge that you face in there? Because I know out in the real world, it seems like obviously uh, balancing the budget, making sure you have the money to do things, but then throwing this whole curveball of NIL and collectives is all that part of the game. And and how do you kind of best approach that? Or if even if you had to put on your eighty hat, how would yeah. you approach that? It is part of the game. And one thing that we kind of took pains to build is to show that dealing with NIL is very different depending on what kind of school you're in. And as this game becomes more sophisticated and there's different types of institutions, I think we'll build that out even more. But if you're if you're the AD at a low major, I'll pick, an, I'll pick a random school here. Like, let's say you're the AD at a place like Fairfield or somebody in the NEC. And, you know, you might have parents that ask about NIL, but I know this, like, you have way less than 10% of your athletes are currently engaging in any kind of NIL activity. You know, people, if you're at a low major and you've got 2000 Instagram followers, brands aren't beating down your door. There aren't a lot of collectives that are operating in that world. And the ones that exist aren't going to be able to outbid a larger school for someone who wants to transfer up. So NIL is part of your world. 
you have to build an education. You have to, you have to talk with your coaches. You can't ignore it, but it's a much smaller deal than it is if you're at Texas, where you recognize that there's going to be a $10 million plus collective, if not multiple collectives, and your athletes coming in are going to expect some of that. And you're also going to need to prepare them to work with brands who may actually want to work with those athletes. So the questions that you might face are different regarding NIL and regarding fundraising, and also the success and, and how you engage with those are going to be different depending on if you're a school with a $20 million budget, a $45 million budget, or an $80 million budget. And, and, and that's, um, that's a big part of how this works in real life. So with that said, how would you fix the NIL mess where it seems like the, the NCAA has kind of kicked that can down the road, didn't really want to deal with it until now it's, it's gotten almost too big to fail? Yeah, I, I don't know there's a whole lot that any one school can do because one, one of the, the big challenges now is who has the legal authority to actually regulate any of this. If you're trying to, to slow down explicit pay for play or if you're trying to have a uniform rule set, if lawmakers in Louisiana have one law and lawmakers in Texas have another law, there's nothing that the a, that, that the AD and Lafayette can really do about it. Like the, the, you're going to be recruiting athletes from both states. You're recruiting against schools in both states, and you don't get to set that policy. The NCAA probably can't execute a national policy without getting sued. Like that's why they hired Charlie Baker. That's why they're in Washington, D.C. right now. That's why they're trying to get a, a national policy. If I was an AD at a Sunbelt school, I think what I would tell my coaches, especially for football and basketball, is say, like, listen, we have to be realistic here. If you have a high achieving player and the SEC comes calling and, and dangles $800,000 to, you know, for that kid to, to go transfer there, there's nothing you can do. Like the, the, there aren't enough donors at Lafayette or in Hattiesburg or in, 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 in Marshall to raise that kind of money effectively. And then also, that's not the business you probably want to be in. If you could raise $800,000, the department really realistically needs it more to hire a trainer or to hire a Dobo for the basketball team or something. And you recognize you're not going to lose very many of those guys. You're also going to have the opportunity to recruit players that leave Alabama, that leave Florida State, that maybe want to be closer to home or didn't fit academically or, or couldn't get playing time. I would say, like, you have to be realistic about where we can play in, in that recruiting world and focus on what we what we can control, which is the, how we educate our athletes, how we prepare them for brand deals, what kind of opportunities we can get for them locally, and how we can make sure our business community and our and our markets know what they're allowed to do. And that may not be satisfactory. And then we just have to kind of, you know, roll with the punches. Because if you're at a Sunbelt school or a CUSA school or a Mac school, you've never had the same amount of resources as some of the peers that you're recruiting against. And you've still been successful. I've seen Lafayette kick some teams' ass that have a uh, that have way bigger budgets because they recruit better, they build a better culture, they've developed better. I've seen Marshall do this. I've 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 seen um, I, I you know Southern Miss when I was younger was able to do this. That's just the world that we live in. But I understand that's very unsatisfying if you're being if you're a coach, you're paying paying paid six hundred fifty thousand dollars, and your mortgage depends on you winning games, and you see your guys being called up to the ACC or the SEC. Always, always interesting to see where we are now in college athletics. Matt, yeah. tell people how they can find out about the AD simulator as well as more about Extra Point. You, you bet. Extra Points uh, covers a lot of the nuts and bolts of how athletic departments actually work from the Power Five to the NAIA. You can read many of those newsletters for free 
at extrapointsmb.com. We are a reader-supported publication. You can get a premium subscription for just eight bucks. That gets you four newsletters a week. It gets you access to our FOIA directory, which allows you to look at contracts and financial reports uh, for uh, multiple institutions throughout Division One and Division Two, including many Sunbelt schools. And it gives you access to Athletic Director Simulator 3000. You can find all of that at extrapointsmb.com. Dusty, that was an incredible in- interview with Matt. I don't know how you get it done, but you get it done day in, day out without Shane and I. And man, we appreciate that. Bravo. Way to go. You just missed when you tried to clap, by the way. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to clap. All right. I was pretending to clap. He's still medicated. We have to get I'm a little there. medicated. I'm <laughs> a little bit. Of, I've got a lot of NyQuil going. Listen, I defeated COVID. COVID is my defeated foe. You know, you can bring on anything against me now. Nothing can be as strong as COVID. And I took it down. And yes, maybe I'm a little high on some pills to, to keep me going through this podcast. But this is for you guys. It's not for me. This is for you two. All right. This is why I'm here. I'm here for you guys. And I'm here. And now for something completely different. Plug a promo or a parting shot. 50 days, no rain in H-Town. So I have the nice brown crispy grass. Yeah. I don't know if that's a plug promo or parting shot, but it sucks. <laughs> um, it's hot. I'm tired of seeing things well in the the one tens. I'm ready for the fall, whenever that is, uh-huh. and ready for kickoff. August 31st. Ah, the Rams yeah. taking on the Panthers. So ready. Fall sports coverage is coming your way here pretty okay. soon. Like I said, starting with JMU soccer on Thursday night. So just read us on dnronline.com slash sports. You can check out all the coverage. I'll probably have some sort of uh, Sunbelt football notebook here in the coming days too. So uh, even if you're not a JMU fan, you can, uh, you can check us out and, and keep up with the whole, the whole Sunbelt conference. Uh, you know, I'll just do a plug for howraiser.com. That's howraiser.com. You know, we're putting together the August content. In the history of Arkansas State, the long, proud history of football, of all the the eight of the top 20 highest rated recruits are on the roster right now. That's eight of the highest rated top 20 recruits of all time are on the roster at Arkansas State right now, which tells me that something better happen at Arkansas State real soon. If you got that much talent just sitting there, Waiting to collect the W's. It might be this year, guys. Maybe it's next year. I don't know. But it's coming. It has to, right? If you have that much talent, that much great talent, then eventually you're going to get wins. Am I right, Tibbs? All hell, the power of the water feature. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.